0: Welcome to the Second Chair Leadership Podcast, a podcast created by and for Second Chair leaders to help you lead creatively and courageously right where you are. I'm thrilled to have on the podcast today my new friend, Garrett Lowe. He is the Next Gen Pastor at Living Word Community Church in York, Pennsylvania, where he provides broad oversight to children, middle and high school and young adult ministries, and One of his main focuses, which I love, and I have to be careful here because I want to say the word passion, Um, and there are good reasons to say this, and there are some reasons that you shouldn't use the word passion, and we'll get into that with Garrett today, but one of his main focuses in areas of expertise is mentoring and helping others live with a deeper purpose in life and guiding them through um, discernment and calling process. And so I know um, that this is going to be a really interesting conversation as we dive into his history and his expertise and calling and purpose and all of these things. Man, I'm really excited to talk to you today, Garrett. Thanks for being on the show.
1: All right. Yeah, I'm honored to be on here. Thanks for asking me. (laughs) You
0: bet. You bet. Well, thanks to social media. That's how you and I connected in the first place here a few months back. And, and, um, I, I always love making connections with people who have similar interests and, you know, doing unique and creative things. And so, um, I'm excited to, to really get into what you're working on. But before we get to that point, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and give the listeners a real snapshot of your personal life?
1: Right on. Well, I've been married for almost 11 years and have a little girl. She's six years old right now, and she's just a little spitfire. She's so fun to be around, says the funniest stuff, but she's just doing so well. She just started kindergarten and just really love seeing her come alive in new ways. But uh, I grew up in a Christian home, grew up going to church. My parents have valued Christian education, so they sent me to uh, Christian school, um, elementary through high school. Really grew up with, uh, you know, a good foundation of the Bible, and so, like, completely long story short, I just, you know, it was about a couple years ago, maybe five years ago, where I finally embraced the fact that God created me for full time ministry. Even though I've been in full time ministry positions since 2005, <laughs> I always in the back of my head thought, "Oh, I'm probably going to go back to working at a college and." residence life or be a professor or something. But I just really, you know, looking back, seeing God's hand in my life and preparing me, equipping me for for ministry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great, um, it's a great way for us to kind of segue into the the next question and just talk a little bit about your current role and main area of expertise, because you were talking about how you can see the, the hand of God at work in your life. And really kind of a question that's behind that is, you know, what were some of those defining moments in your life or in your career that led to where you are today?
1: Yeah, it's really been a mix of people that God's brought in my life and books. And there's a guy uh, who is no longer with us, but his name is Charlie Tremendous Jones. Mm -hmm. And he uh, is kind of famous in the Lancaster area, but he wrote a book. I think he was a salesman or something, but really devout Christian, he has this quote that stuck with me. And it was the only difference between who you are now and who you'll be a year from now are the books you read and the people you meet. Mm, Yeah. And I was really thinking, man, like when I look back through my life, it's the people that God's God has allowed to come in my life. And then the different books that I've read at, at certain times that have really shaped my thinking. And, and, uh, so I just, you know, can look back through, Junior high, high school, college, and just see different men of God who have influenced me and invested in me, and different books. That uh, one of the earliest books that I read in in high school was Donald Miller's uh, Through uh, Prayer and the Art of Volkswagen Maintenance, which hmm. he later released as Through Painted Deserts. Hmm. And just reading that book made me want to, you know, can can really live this, you know, f- this life of faith and relying on God and, uh, experiencing God, not just knowing all the right, right things, but experiencing God. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Really thankful for all those people that have taken the time to disciple me, mentor me, introduce me to leadership, um, given me opportunities I didn't deserve Mm. or didn't earn to, to grow. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, you and I were just talking about that before uh, we started recording this episode about how um you're one of many on staff. Um by many there's more than 20 full-time staff members um at your church and how um someone your the lead in this case the lead pastor of your church saw something in you and even though you didn't have that experience or that um uh, y- you hadn't done what you're doing before um, yeah. he saw something in you that maybe you didn't see in yourself. And, in you know, like, like we were talking about said, I believe in you, you can do this job. You're my guy. Um, next gen pastor, you know, what do you say? Um, so talk to us a little bit about your current role and, and what does it mean for those who are listening and they have no idea what a next gen pastor is um, kind of, Can you flesh that out for us and tell us a little bit more about what you do?
1: Yeah. So my job's broken up into three areas and the next, uh, so next gen pastor includes being the next gen director. So I oversee all the ministries from kid life and we have a kid life director and about seven part-time people that are on that team. And then we have two middle school directors who are awesome. And then we have two high school directors, uh, people one director and one coordinator uh, the coordinator's part time and so i oversee that the staff of the next gen area so that's the the main main part of my job and then the second part would be a young adult pastor and so i run our young adult gatherings that meet on tuesday nights and then the third area is called adult formation which includes preaching on a rotation sunday mornings and then just helping out with different adult ministries, men's life, uh, spiritual formation, things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say, Garrett, what would you say that you love most about what you do?
1: Probably the team that I get to work with. I came into this position, you know, two years ago, October of 2016. And again, not knowing what this next gen director or pastor position entailed, and here I am, like, working with this team of professionals. Like, I feel, I often felt like Michael Scott a bunch of times, mm. you know, like from the office where he's the manager, but he doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> and uh, I come in here, like, you know, Cass Delp, our uh, our kid life director, she's such a professional and she knows kids ministry so well. I've learned so much from her. And so I, my role coming in here, like, I love that I get to learn so much from these people that have been doing this job and doing it well. And so I take on the role of more of encourager, uh, equipper, helping them develop and grow in areas that they want to grow in, and then just driving the vision and the mission. Uh, So I I think that the team that I get, this is the healthiest staff I've ever been a part of at -hmm. any organization. And so it's just been such a blessing for me to, to work with this fun team. Yeah. You know, we've oftentimes Thursday afternoon, we'll turn on some music in the, uh, the office area here and have a dance party. Oh,
0: that's great. <laughs> well, yeah, I have, I have two questions um, cause you kind of brought up a couple of things. And so these, uh, obviously I didn't give these questions to you ahead of time. Um, and, um, did, I want to ask you these two things that are related Sure. Um, do you do you know, and, and it's okay if the answer is no, um, but do you know? Was there a moment when you felt like the the switch was flipped, or you felt like, man, I can do this?
1: Yeah, it was about actually about a year and a half, so fairly recently, because I've only been have been here two years. But after the first year and some change, I remember coming out of a, a next gen meeting. So we meet once a month. For about two hours and i walked away from that meeting thinking i i think i know how to be a next-gen director Mm -hmm. i i felt like i had asked all the right questions i had presented a direction and a vision for discipleship and uh i remember dallas willard saying every church needs to answer two questions number one what's your model of discipleship and number two is it working Mm -hmm. And so I I took that that qu- those questions and said okay well we need to figure out how to make disciples and and, and be strategic and intentional about that. Uh, we've used the same curriculums and we you know it's easy to show up and just put the work in, but I really want to direct our team and, and give vision to discipleship and how it can be more intentional about carrying that out because that's what Jesus says matters.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah, and my other question, uh, Garrett, has to do with that staff culture. You are talking about how this has been the healthiest staff culture you've been a part of. You've been at other churches on staff uh, previous to this one. So, um, what have you observed about the what makes for a healthy staff culture? Are there some things that just really jump out at you that you know we as as second chair leaders need to be aware of and we need to cultivate, um, in our amongst our own teams and staffs that we're a part of what what makes it so healthy
1: for you? Yeah, for me uh, humility. Yeah, man. I, I no one here has an ego You know, it's just it's refreshing to come in and if people need help they ask for help uh, No one has to feel like they have all the answers all the time and so I just feel like there hasn't been a ton of ego Uh not just in the next gen team, but even our senior pastor on down, mm-hmm. there, there's been a lot of humility and just a uh, friendship. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's good to be able to partner with people in a mission, but it's even better if you can be friends mm-hmm. while you're in that, carrying out that mission together. And so I just, there's just a lot of camaraderie on staff that we're, we're missional friends who are carrying out good work. And I don't think anyone is showing up just to punch in and punch out. Like everyone loves what they're doing and they're, they're, they're sold out on the mission. And so Mm -hmm. yeah, friendship and humility, I think are the two big ones that, yeah, that would, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, man. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. I, um, One of the things that I asked you um, to reflect on before we talk today is just what are some things that you're learning about leadership right now? And uh, I kind of want to dive into that and also talk, if you would, tell us about the work that you're doing um, with your distant mentor uh, website and, and the, the emails that go out there. Um, what is distant, what is distant mentor and, and how, is, and, and what are you learning about leadership?
1: Yeah. So I guess the most current thing I'm learning about leadership for myself, it would be, I'm in a season of setting new boundaries and building new routines. And that's, you know, that was the most recent blog post I put out. And I put that one out. Just because, man, that's what I'm. That's what I'm going through. Where, I've uh, just ex- been experiencing a lot of change in the last uh, year or so, and I just realized I need to put up some new boundaries and build some new routines in my life uh, for for health. And uh, reading the book Essentialism. Are you familiar with that? With by Greg yep. McAllen, I mm-hmm. Think. Yeah. He just talks about you know really focusing on the the. You know the priority. What's what's the one thing you need to be doing? And getting that focus for me has been not not been easy. But I feel like I'm in a place now where, um, just focusing on health and relationships, you know, God, yeah. health, relationships, and work, kind of in that order. Yeah. Uh, distant mentor thing came about because I just feel like God's given me so many mentors in my life. And I just feel like the, the two areas that I could probably speak about for the rest of my life are leadership and spirituality hmm. and, and combining those two things. And I can only meet with so many people one-on-one or one-on-three or, or, you know, mid-sized communities. But I figured, well, if I, not everyone is blessed to have mentors. And if they want a mentor, sometimes they don't even know who to ask. And it's not like older people are walking around in the church looking for people to mentor, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know what? I just want to be a mentor to whoever is, you know, wanting to listen from a distance and uh, like kind of like a lighthouse, you know, a lighthouse, which is kind of part of my logo, a lighthouse can direct, it can guide, it can warn Uh, It can show the next steps forward and it does all that from a distance. And so I really like that idea of being able to Offer guidance and wisdom and maybe not have a personal relationship with everyone who reads the blog But to be able to just offer resources out there to help people grow in their leadership and also in their spirituality Yeah, that's that's the main thrust there
0: and uh, why don't you give that website to us for those who would like to subscribe. You should. I subscribe, and uh, I look forward right <laughs> um, to receiving my my email each week from you. Um, so how can we find Distant Mentor?
1: It's just at distantmentor.com.
0: Great. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening, you want to know more about this and read more of Garrett's writing. You can find it uh, at distantmentor.com. Go over there. Subscribe, you won't regret it. Um, Thanks, Ben. You bet. Well, as a next gen pastor, I know that there are a lot of people who are looking to you, and they're learning from um, the things that you say, from the things that you do, um, from the things that you don't say, and the things that you don't do. Um, what the question for you is: What do you hope that those who follow you learn from your leadership?
1: Yeah, I think for for me. Even as I'm leading myself, you know, I want to grow as someone who's becoming more like Jesus. And so I I see this. Uh, Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter five, one. You know, the imitation of Christ, and he mentions it again in Galatians four, nineteen, where he says, "My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you." Now, Paul's probably the only male that i know that would relate his pain to ch- bearing children you know i can imagine women hearing that and being like you don't know anything about childbirth paul mm-hmm. <laughs> what's up with that mm-hmm. but um but just saying it hey it's it's a painful process to become more like christ mm. and so for me i want people to you know if they're following my leadership i would hope that their that their inner character and their outer conduct is becoming more like jesus mm-hmm. Yeah. That they have Christ being formed in them. Mm,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's good. So good. And um, <clears throat> for some folks, when I talk to you on this podcast, courage um, takes a shape in many different ways and forms. For some, it looks like risk. Um, for others, it, it looks like rest, or um, courage means setting new boundaries or establishing new routines. Um, but when it comes to leading from a position of authority, when you're not the one in charge, what do we, um, need to understand, um, or what are you learning about courage in the second chair?
1: Uh, courage is, is fairly a new topic that I've been actually reading about last year. It was the first time I heard Brene Brown give her Ted talk on vulnerability mm. And during that TED Talk, she mentioned courage and like the root where we get it of being wholehearted yeah, and telling your story with your whole heart. And then I just started, I got her book for Christmas. My wife got me her book, Dare to Lead. And in that book, she's talking about courage again. And um, she says that you can't have courage without vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And she would define vulnerability as that emotional feeling that that is involves risk or uncertainty or there's emotional exposure. Mm -hmm. And I really thought about that. And if you're going to have an act of courage or if you're going to be courageous, then there's risk involved. There's uncertainty involved or you're going to be showing uh, your emotions that maybe are, are not comfortable. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I think, you know, if, if I'm going to grow in courage, then I need to learn how to become vulnerable Mm. and in an an appropriate ways, of course. But Mm -hmm. sometimes being courageous for me is going to my kid life director and saying, I don't understand or I don't know the answer or, um, you know, just admitting when I don't know something Mm where sometimes leaders, I think feel like they need to have all the answers and, uh, don't share what they don't know. Mm. But if you want to create healthy teams, then there needs to be this vulnerable communication so that we can all work together well. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I'm actually listening to, um, I think it's called the power of vulnerability. Is it not? I think that's the name of the, Anyway, it's a lecture series that Brene Brown gave. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and it's fascinating. It's so good. And so if anyone's yeah. listening, gets the opportunity. And they're just talking about the same things you're talking about in a series of lectures that she delivered uh, many years ago, actually. And um, she's talking about these things, about um, shame, courage, and shame, and guilt, and embarrassment, and, and how, you know... Um, And what those look like, what they feel like, and what are the, Mm -hmm. you know, our triggers. So, man, that is a really... it's a great resource for anyone awesome. who wants to dive into that. It's, it's really good. Yeah.
1: I haven't heard her lecture series, but I she's such an engaging speaker. You I mean, she involves humor and she's very conversational, so yeah. I hope no one's turned off by the the term lecture series, but <laughs> but really check her out cuz she's just I mean, everything she says is dripping with wisdom. I don't Yeah. You know, I just I've been blown away at the the connections she makes with uh the heart and mm-hmm. uh emotions and and leadership
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i like that i like how you know sort of reframing what she or reiterating what she was saying or you you were learning from her as courage as being wholehearted um Mm. and so that that's really really good and you know i think too garrett many second chair leaders um often underestimate the unique value that they bring to their organizations or to their churches or to whatever um, vocation that they find themselves in. And so I'd be curious to know um, what's your creative superpower or how, you know, how does creativity intersect with the work that you do?
1: Well, I I love creativity. I, I think that more leaders should spend time learning about how to be creative and, you know, instead of just getting up and giving a message, how can you invite people into an experience or how can you get better at storytelling or using props or instead of focusing on here's the information I need to deliver, focus on how can I engage someone's emotions or experiences and uh, cause a, a response or a reaction. For me, I've just been told I'm naturally funny. And so I use a lot of humor But one quote that I keep in mind before I I give a message is, uh, at the end of laughter is the height of listening. Hmm. And so if people are laughing, usually when the laughing dies down, that's when they're most engaged to to hear something uh, that you you drop in a a piece of truth. So I kind of like view... I like to, when I put my messages together. I like to be able to think: how can I make people laugh, but then step on their toes with, at, at the same time? Because <laughs> I, I think that's a good way to receive truth.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really fascinating um, to think about. At the you said at the height of laughter is the oh, at the at
1: the at the end of laughter the is end. the height of is the height is the height of listening.
0: Yeah, is the height of listening. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. There's um, obviously um, when it comes to to engaging a congregation or engaging any audience, um, you know, be the the most important lesson that I've learned is to be yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and if you just are naturally a funny guy, then yeah, be funny and leverage that laughter, um, for the sake of the gospel or for the sake of whatever it is that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to drive people toward. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, nothing. And, and if you're not funny, then don't, <laughs> but, uh, <Yeah. laughs> um, but, but, but but be yourself, um, be mm-hmm. true to who, um, God, uh, be true to who you are and how God made you. Um, and, and don't try to be, you know, like someone that you're not. Um, yeah. and, um, I've found that to be true cause I, I, I don't find myself, I don't consider myself like a funny person. Um, I know like when I, there are a lot of characters here that I work with, um, that are far funnier than I am. Um, but one of the, you know, when it comes to interacting or, or say preaching, or I'm speaking to a group, I often find that, for me, we were talking about vulnerability just a little bit ago. I find it pretty effective to open to open myself up a little bit and let people mm-hmm. in um and and to see the really to 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 see and experience the more human side of what it means to be a pastor or someone in yeah. my shoes. Um in to use that moment then as you said to step on some toes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's good. That's really, really good. Well, I, uh, I'm, I was hoping, and we have plenty of time to talk about this. Um, I want, I would love to hear a little bit more about what you're working on these days because you're working on a writing project. You actually just came back from a cabin in the woods um, to do some writing, um, and so kind of take us. Um, you and I have talked about this before, um, but let's talk about calling let's talk about passion and what you know there's a lot of I'm seeing a lot of things out and about on the internet and on social media these days about what it means to follow your passion Um, some say yes go for it follow your passion others say nope that's not such a good idea and I know you've thought deeply about this and you're actually working on a project Um, so should we Garrett should we follow our passion or am I asking the wrong question? Where do we, where do we begin to think about this?
1: Well, it's a, it's a good question to ask, you know, should we follow our passions? And before you can answer that of yes or no, it'd be good to find out, you know, well, what am I passionate about? And that's the word that gets thrown around a lot of, like you said, all over social media and the project that I'm working on. Part of my writing is going to be focused on that area. And, it was probably the most vague area. I had these other other areas kind of nailed down pretty well. And I just kept thinking about, well, how do you discover your passions? It's not like you can't take a, an online assessment or some kind of passions test. And just started looking up the word and the, the history behind the word and found that the Latin root of the word passion, it means to suffer. And that made sense because I remember, you know, several years ago, that movie, the passion of the Christ came out and that's all about the sufferings of Christ going through the crucifixion and seeing the word just morph over time where we use it nowadays and it's what makes you excited or what what you love or enjoy doing or even like relationships, Hmm. um, passionate love, you know, Hmm. but the word actually has to do more with suffering. And when you think of the word compassion, it means to suffer with. And so one of the things I think we need to figure out of, if we're going to follow our passions, uh, look at the example of Jesus and where it says, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassed. And he was willing to go and suffer with them, to be with them. And so if you want to find your, I think, I think there's a maturity to passion. I think it's okay to say that you're excited about something, you enjoy something. I think that is maybe the beginning of a passion. But you can say, oh, I'm passionate about playing an instrument or, or, or doing something. But then as soon as it gets hard, are you going to leave it? Or are you going to suffer through the boredom and the routine and the mundane and then get to the point where you're willing to uh, suffer some of the hard stuff that comes along with this thing that you're passionate about? So I think the more mature your passion is, the more you're willing to suffer for something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you recently... Uh, blogged about that on your website and it was interesting to see the degrees um, that it just sort of the, the progression of the maturity as you're talking about of having an idea or some interest. Like a
1: fascination. I,
0: yeah. Yeah. And how it grows it, when you're assuming, right. You're staying committed mm-hmm. to it. You're going to continue to pursue it to this point of suffering on behalf of it, whatever it is. And so, um, yeah. So how, um, how does this connect or relate to, um, calling and, um, you know, this is really kind of where you and I are, are really discussing sort of un- uncharted territory here and that we didn't map this out. So, um, yeah, yeah. kind of go with me here and, 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 le- sure. and, and kind of talk us through what, Calling and passion, how, how do we know that we're called to suffer for something, or right. or or is it calling? Um, well, I have, I have my own thoughts on calling, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on calling, yeah. about what that is well, and what it isn't.
1: I mean, growing up in the church, I heard missionaries come in and speak, and I heard pastors talk about, you know, I've, I got called to the mission field, or I got called to be a pastor, but I never had anyone explain what that looked like. Or I didn't and I didn't hear any teaching about it. Mm. And so then moving, you know, away and working at a Bible college, I would hear students come back from a mission trip from like Turkey or whatever and then saying, "Oh, I just feel called to Turkey or I feel called to China." And I'm just like, "Well, okay, well, can you explain that to me? Why do you feel called?" And the common response I would get was, "I don't know, I just feel called." Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And I kept I got to the point where to be honest, I really felt that calling was just religious language that people were using to justify a decision that they didn't have to give an explanation for. Huh. Yeah, And so like, how, how can I, it was kind of like, how can I question what the Holy Spirit's doing in someone's heart? Like, oh, and then it also gives people an excuse to just say, oh, I'm called to this to not be accountable either. You know, what if no one else affirms that calling? You say you're called to be a pastor and you, what if you call a church and you tell them that you're, you're called to be their pastor, but then the elder board doesn't hire you. Mm -hmm, (laughs) You mm -hmm. Is the elder board sinning against God because they didn't listen to your calling? Yeah. So I just went through a six month period where I was being asked to come on staff where I'm at right now, but I already had, I had a great job at my home church and I was, made a salary that paid the bills. We had just bought a house with an in-ground pool mm-hmm. a block away from my parents. So I had free babysitting mm-hmm. and I was being asked to come work here. And I'm like, well, and it was like the third time that he'd asked me to come work with him. And I kept thinking, okay, God, well, is this calling? And then if I just asked God, what is calling? And so for six months, just prayed, journaled, uh, read books, and through my journals, just really looking through the New Testament and making all these different observations, I feel like God really revealed a, a pretty significant model for discernment for me to process calling. Mm. And so I put this model together and um since then have been teaching it in classes and retreats. And every time and I'm walking people through it one-on-one to help discern their calling. And so every time that I've taught it, people always ask, are you going to write a book or are you going to publish it somehow? And I really didn't have plans to, but um, just because I kept getting that comment, I I thought I'd take it seriously and Mm. start writing. But the two other big areas would be, uh, outside of passions, would be talents Mm. and opportunities. And so I define the area of talents as how you're wired, equipped, and gifted. And so wiring refers to things like your personality, like the Myers Briggs assessment, your disc a profile, your strengths finders or Clifton strengths, or whatever. Mm. I think they just changed the name. So that's your wiring. Equipped or just like natural abilities that you have, your communicator, are you a uh, you know, musician, artist? And then gifting, referring just to spiritual gifts. And so that's the talent area. And then opportunities would be things like your role, your platform, authority, power, your access to finances or relationships. And then the last area would be uh, passions. And so T-O-P, talents, opportunities, passions. So the book title is going to be Top Calling Hmm. and helping people find their top calling. But the, the meat of the book is going to be six different seasons that people might find themselves in as they're working towards uh, top calling. Hmm. So that's, that's kind of the, the gist of the book. And I, I, looking back through my life, just identifying a season where, you know, think of someone, I call this the Mickey Mouse phase, someone who has high passion, but no talent, no opportunity, or low talent, low opportunity. It looks like a Mickey Mouse. Uh, you know circles, you know, so passion's huge And then just these two little circles of talent and opportunity That's the 11 year old who wants to be an astronaut Mm -hmm. You know, he's super passionate about stars and planets and wants to go walk on the moon high high passion low talent low opportunity Mm -hmm. But that high passion might move this young person into an opportunity where they get to go Meet a real-life astronaut And then maybe as they grow up, that opportunity might look like education. Mm -hmm. And so that passion meets an opportunity, which helps to grow a talent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So another example would be like the karate kid, (laughs) you know, passionate about karate and then meets a mentor who provides an opportunity and then grows his talent to Mm. win the fight with a crane kick. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And what what about sort of the... The other mixture where you have a a lot of, you know, that there's talent and maybe Mm -hmm. even opportunity, but you're like, for me, one of the worst questions you can ask someone like me is, what are you passionate about? Um, Mm. Because I think the honest answer for me, someone like me, Garrett, is that, well, I'm passionate about a lot of things um, and, or at least interested. um, And sometimes those passions change every couple of years. Um, yeah, sure. You know, um, and so, um, that is, that is one terribly hard question for someone like me to answer because the, I mean, the honest answer is either one, I don't know, or number two, it depends on what day of the week it is. Um, (laughs) so, so what if, you know, high talent, even some opportunity, but the, the passion piece is really questionable. Where where do you go from there?
1: I call that the uh, productive but passionless stage because you've got a really high talent and you're meeting an opportunity, but you're not particularly passionate about it. So I was a worship leader for a number of years and I had the talent of a musician and I could lead worship and I, was, and I had the opportunity, but it wasn't what I ultimately, I mean, I am passionate about worship. I love worshiping God, but I, I knew that God had given me other talents And now all these three things exist to meet a need. Mm. And so the T, the O, and the P, your talents, your opportunities, your passions, those things exist to meet needs in the world. Mm. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that he's prepared in advance for us. Mm -hmm. And so what are the things prepared in advance for us, the good work that God's created? And I would define needs as work in the world that God wants us to maintain repair, or produce. Uh, and so I was meeting a need of being a worship leader at a church, but I knew there were other needs that God had in the world that I was created for that I think would meet more of my more significant talents uh, and um, passions. So I think it's totally fine to be in that stage of productive but passionless, knowing that God has is using that season Uh, to refine your passion, to help you discover, oh man, what really am I passionate about? I thought I'd be really comfortable doing this role, using this talent to me and this opportunity to meet a need, but man, I just have the sense that there's some other needs out there. And um, Mm. so that might, you know, the decision to move, it will come at some point that might take you into a different season. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. That that's really interesting to me. So thanks for thanks for um, fleshing that out a little bit. Um, one of the things I think about is you're in the midst of you're in the midst of of reading and researching and writing. So how can we as a second chair community? How can we support you right now? So that you can get top calling written um, and into the hands of readers or I don't know, like I I was just asking you before the show uh, really want to know how we can support you in this effort.
1: Right on. Well, probably the, probably the biggest way right now would be to subscribe to the blog. I'm going to be putting a lot of content out on the blog before um, it goes into book form. And if people want to interact with a post or, say they agree or disagree with, you know, my interpretation or take on how I feel, um, calling is brought about. I'd love to get different feedback. And I'm also going to be offering opportunities for people to be on an advanced reader copy list and get a copy of the book before it's, um, published or released. And, um, to get more feedback that way as well. So, I think subscribing to the blog is one way, uh, probably the most significant way.
0: Absolutely. But. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's at distantmentor.com. Uh, go there and subscribe, and we'll be on the lookout for those upcoming blog posts on top calling. Um, I, I'm excited. I think it really does fill a void um, that is needed um, today. Um, I mean, Cause it never, it's never, at least in my experience, calling, um, has, has certainly, uh, for me been, um, it's been different. Um, but also it's, it's not one thing for me. It hasn't been just one thing my whole life. Um, I can actually kind of point to seasons, um, Mm -hmm. and cycles where it's, it's sort of evolved or it's changed. Um, but certainly um, seems to have been, it's been built on this foundation that was laid a long ago. And those previous seasons of calling have served me in, in this new season uh, of, of ministry and what we're doing here with second chair podcast. And, and so um, those experiences certainly have lent themselves to at least what, what, what is happening here in my current context. So really looking forward to uh, reading more posts on that here in the future. Um, so again, go and subscribe and uh, follow Garrett as he continues to um, tell us about how we can discover, um, our top calling. Well, as we wrap up today, Garrett, love to ask you a few questions and get your take. Um, if you could grab a cup of coffee with any leader alive, who would it be and
1: why? Well, um, before I answer that question, I just want to make it clear that you know, the book that uh, on top calling it's not a system, it's not a systematic approach to calling, it's not a formula, mm-hmm. but just like you said, I, I think it's more of a discernment model to help people identify where they're at, what season of life they're in now, and then to offer wisdom on a best next step forward. Yeah, um, because I, I do think that. I mean, just because maybe I'm in a place right now where I feel I'm in a I'm in my sweet spot. I'm in a top calling. Um, It doesn't mean that I I could, God could present another need uh, later in life. And then my, my passions might shift or I might, you know, be called to use a talent and an opportunity to meet something Mm -hmm. else. So just wanted to make that clear that I I wasn't trying, I'm not trying to write a formulaic formula approach to that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but if I could grab a, a cup of Joe With uh, any leader alive right now, I I think I would pick uh, Matt Chandler, who is pastor of the Village Church in Texas. Um, Just love that guy's how he how he preaches the word of God, and yeah, he's been like a distant mentor to me. I've listened to his the podcast uh, so much. He's just been. He probably i mean doesn't even know it, but he's been pretty f- formational in how mm-hmm. I approach uh teaching and yeah and yeah
0: yeah good uh you've mentioned a couple of books during this podcast already, but what's one book in the last year that you'd recommend every one of us read
1: I think th- going with the mentor thing there's a there's a book I read called Divine Mentor mm-hmm. at the beginning of uh, last year by wayne uh, I don't know how to say his last name Cord- Cordeo. He's like a, he's a pastor in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, Cordero.
1: Cordero. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote a book called divine mentor. And basically if you're a leader, you, he really is calling you to be mentored by God Hmm. and by spending time with God and really taking, taking time to, to care for your soul and getting draw nourishment from the Lord and uh, making that time sacred. That's been so good for me, especially being a pastor, dishing out so much. It's good to make sure that you're reading the Bible for the sake of a relationship with, with God and not because you have another message to put together. You know? Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good. I look forward to, to adding that to my list. The um, Vine Mentor by Wayne Cordiero. And what's one tool you can't live without?
1: Well, I would say like the Internet or my smartphone, but those are kind of broad answers. So I'll pick an app uh or I guess it's an app FaceTime. Uh because of a lot of traveling I've had to do. I remember last year being in Ecuador and FaceTiming my wife. Just because we both had Wi-Fi, we could see each other and talk to each other like we were there. There There's no delay. There's no, you know, plugging quarters into like a a payphone or spending three dollars a minute. So FaceTime has just been like valuable for me to stay connected to friends and family
0: yeah yeah that's good and uh speaking of of new routines and setting boundaries what's one personal habit that makes you better
1: uh w- one that a friend kind of challenged me on uh several months ago was going to bed at the same time as my wife hmm. and it's not always you know i sometimes i have more energy and i want to stay up and like read or, or write but the last two months I've been doing that and I just think it's been so great for our marriage. And even if I'm not tired, you know, mm-hmm. just being able to go to bed at the same time, because then typically we wake up at the same time mm-hmm. and piggybacking off of that. Uh, we, we drink, we put our little girl on the bus in the morning and we drink coffee for about 45 minutes mm-hmm. and just talk. And so that's just been one personal yeah. habit. That's really, I think, you know, made our marriage just like so much more fun and, and connected. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And for those um, who are listening, who would um, like to connect with you, um, what's the best way for people to find you?
1: Uh, Instagram and Facebook. I'm on those two, a whole bunch. So if Instagram, it's just Garrett W. Low. middle name's William. So that's what that W's in there. And then uh, Facebook, just Garrett Low. So, yeah, I'm on those a bunch, and that's probably the best way to find me outside of the uh, the blog there.
0: absolutely. And we'll post links in the show notes so that people can find you and and connect with you on Facebook and Instagram. Garrett, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for showing up in a big way today and for talking courage and creativity in the second chair. Just hearing hearing more and, um, for about your passion, um, your passion, um, um, for not just n- only next generation ministry, but also just sharing your heart and what God is, is, is calling you to do in writing this book, um, and this discernment process for top calling, man. Thanks so much for showing up a big way and sharing your expertise with us. I really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, uh, have me on here. It's a real, it's a real honor.
0: You can help other Second Chair leaders find this podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It means a lot to us when you share this content on social media as well. Thanks for listening to today's episode.